Blamo, a podcast exploring the world of fashion with the personalities that shape it. My guest this week is Patrick Johnson of P. Johnson Taylors. One of the more interesting people I've ever met, Patrick is a bit of an enigma to me. It's hard to do something new or that feels new in the world of classic menswear, but Patrick is doing it. Looking at his clothing, I'm inspired, but talking to him, I'm excited. Patrick and I spoke about how it all began, the importance of feeling natural in your clothing, and why he believes the fashion industry is not a clothes club. Let's do it. Mr. Patrick Johnson. Hello. Thank you so much. You're on the podcast. How are you doing? I'm, I'm very well. Uh, I, so before we start, seriously, you and I were chatting a bit about the company, the, your culture, and more about you and... I I was already sold on Patrick Johnson the brand as in general, um, but I don't think I've ever been more sold on a person until we started talking. I I really mean that. Like I better bet not disappoint while we're recording. No 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 no. You're good. You're good. But like I, I I don't know. And I think we'll talk about this about your brand and what you guys are up to. But um, there is a very strong need and desire for especially with we won't talk about politics but especially with how people feel and want to be perceived right now to take away just the junk of clothes the the snobbiness of clothes and i don't know a brand who does a better job of that than you guys oh that that's great no we, we try and work very hard at that because yeah. I think it's probably down to being Australian that sort of been <laughs> having you know been pretentious or any snobbery around this stuff doesn't really suit us that well. Right. And I um we work very hard because men's clothing and the sort of tailoring more specifically it's quite intimidating. Yeah. You know someone's coming into a space and they're getting their body looked at and prodded and poked and then people are talking about them and they're making these decisions <laughs> about things that they're maybe not that comfortable with. And right. So you need to make them as relaxed as possible and, and really understand it. It's a really enjoyable experience. But, um, and you also need them to relax in order to you can actually understand who they are. So then you can make clothing for them, right? Right. Uh, that's going to suit their life and suit their personality. So we work really hard at that from the interiors we use in our spaces, which you kind of, you know, there's no, they're not sort of uh, anything other than us. They're really unique to us. They're, they're not sort of, you know, dark wood with old leather or anything like that. We're not trying to be like a British club. We're not trying to be anything like that. We're just trying to be who we are. Um, so, yeah, I think it's about an honesty and just relaxing and trying to, trying to get people to kind of relax in your company as much as you can. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, your, your stores are like on inspiration walls at a lot of different places. That, oh, that, I know that makes me really happy. That made my wife even happier because I. Yeah, she I, does I, the interiors, correct? Yeah. I mean, she does a lot more than that. Sure. She's sort Sorry. Of like, no, no, I don't mean that as a way like she does more like she's literally, I'm, I'm, I shouldn't talk about my wife too much because I'm pretty enamored by her, but, <laughs> That's um, awesome. but she's, uh, she's a really great natural designer. Like she doesn't overcomplicate things. She's and every single space that she's designed for us and every space she designs, um, she looks at them all completely differently mm. depending on the building and the need. And, and, and it, it's, she's been really, I mean, a big key to the way we get people to relax and interact with us is her ability to create these lovely natural spaces in, in different cities. Yeah, it's very disarming in a good way. Yeah. And it should be. And also you're trying to show people 
in a way, it's not just the clothing, but everything around them, you're trying to show them, cool, we've got pretty good taste here. Um, don't worry about this. We'll take care of it. Like, if, you know, you'd be involved in the process for sure because we love that, but don't worry too much. Like, it, it's, it's going to be fine. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I want to jump to the beginning real quick. So you're, obviously, you're Australian, but where, where you know, where did this all start? Because we were chatting a little bit earlier, and you had, you know, mentioned that you had studied wine and winemaking. Yeah, I studied, I studied that at university. I think uh, where it all started, um, yeah, I left, I left school, I studied science. I love, I'm really dyslexic, right? So I grew up in a house of people who are either farmers or lawyers. And quite high achieving lawyers, like, okay. you know, and uh, especially my brother and sister, they're, they're, you know, very bright and very book smart. Mm-hmm. And um, I, uh, I'm very dyslexic. So always was. Dy- A- like actually dyslexic? Yeah. Yeah. Really dyslexic. Okay. Um, and a, little, a lot better now and, and kind of, and worked at it. Like my, 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 my family are massive readers and my dad was keen that I just literally, you know, was, was a good student and got good marks. He worked with me very hard. Right. And I, I, I couldn't really read until I was like 13 years old. Which is, which is really, yeah. And then I just, yeah, I, you know, dedicated myself to it for a couple of years and I love reading. I read constantly now. It's like, you know, yeah, you'd mentioned my favorite things to do. Right. So, um, pretty dyslexic, but science made sense to me because it didn't, it didn't get too jumbled up. Uh, and so I went to university in in Adelaide. I studied, did a bachelor of agricultural science and majored in enology, which is winemaking. Um, studied that, really enjoyed it. And then after university, I was just you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And my father said to me, yep, just get a degree, like one of these four degrees. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Like seriously, because I trust my father. I'm, sure. You know, and he's, yeah, and he's, he thinks about this and he's bright. And I was like, yeah, I'll do that. So I did my degree, but like the day I finished my last exam, I was on a plane and I left. I was, I, I was off to the UK. So it was, it was more like, I'm just going to get this done because it's, it's what's required versus this is what I want to do. Yeah, it's sort of not, it's, no, it's not either. Like I was just on okay. a, I, I didn't, it wasn't like I, my father wouldn't have been angry if I didn't do it, but no, it's no, just no. like, I honestly was very aware that I didn't really know what I wanted to do next. And I was like, cool, this degree seems good. And I had a whole bunch of fun while I was studying the degree, met some amazing people, traveled a lot, um, did a whole bunch of other things, was making clothes on the side while I was doing that. So developing that interest, um, you know, doing a lot of painting and all that kind of stuff that I love and, and, and doing lots of doing lots of other fun stuff so it wasn't like I was like oh, I'm going to slog through this degree and then there's the next step for me it was just like cool I don't know what I'm going to do probably like didn't really want to just leave then at 17 years old and start traveling oh geez I wanted to spend a bit more time in, in, in Australia so I did that but then by the time the degree was finished or maybe a bit before then I realized that yeah cool I'm ready I need to push myself out of my comfort zone seriously here and actually, I didn't go to the UK first. I went to a, a, a small town in, in France near Béziers, a town called Pezenas. Uh Wait, what's there? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. And I'd broken up with like, you know, obviously the love of my life, the girl that I went out with you know, oh, at school. And I thought life will never be the same again. You know, I don't know how I can live. What am I going to do? My brother's like, oh, mate, you're so pathetic. <laughs> Literally like, what are you? And my dad's just like, you are pathetic. Like, what are you doing? And so I was like, I'm going to move to France and I'm just going to read and write poetry. It's oh, going to be amazing. Yeah. And I got there and it was this incredible experience because I was so alone, didn't speak any French, knew nobody. I got a job in the local winery, which I wouldn't say it's like one of the top wineries in France. Okay. <laughs> I got a job down. there working in the, <laughs> the lab uh, and uh, knew no one and, and just suffered like and really enjoyed it. And, you know, read a lot of, read a lot of Proust 
and, and just and really got you know like lonely and like and was like wow this is amazing and then I remember I was talking to my brother pretty regularly because he was in he was he, he studied outside of London and he's like mate you got to come to London you, you this is you're getting this is getting weird oh my god <laughs> like, so um no you know what I mean sure sure in that way that like yeah I put myself in that situation. I wanted to push myself into something completely new. It only lasted like four months. So it wasn't that bad. Four, but, yeah, long yeah, months. But I, yeah, but I kind of wanted to take that. I was really like, okay, cool. I did this degree. Now I want to take some time to work out something that, you know, I'm a bit more passionate about than wine. Like I love wine, I like, but I'm not passionate about wine and I'm not passionate about winemaking. Um, so I wanted to work something I was a little bit more passionate, more passionate about. And I brought a whole bunch of books over with me to France. And this one book, which is like a you know, picture book, which suited me because of my dyslexia, um, was like, it's called you know, Fashion Now. And oh. I remember, and it was like the story of like, you know, a hundred top designers in the world and they've got a little picture and then they've got like a page explaining their career. And I, I just, for some reason, I was like, I started flicking through that and I was like, well, these are like all really different stories. All these designers have come from such different backgrounds. I always assumed a designer like grew up in Antwerp, yeah. went to the club, listened to, you know, craft work, yeah. <laughs> got the funny haircut, which I later got at, at uni <laughs> and, uh, and then just sketched <laughs> and then did that. But then I was reading all these different stories and I was like, wow, this is amazing. I, lo- I, like, I love clothing. I love men's clothing. Um, and, that, and that's kind of what sparked it. And then my brother said, why don't you apply for art college? So I applied for college in London and... And got in, and and then that sort of started the journey into in, into that. So you were an apprentice. Yeah, first, well, right? I so I worked for a guy who's a, um, a guy called Robert Emmett for about six, almost seven years, and he's a he was a, he trained bespoke tailoring in Switzerland. But yeah, I mean, I I I, I really enjoyed my time with him and learned so much. Like he's the most incredible guy, and what he did with me was. He really was like in the beginning, okay, what do you want? What do you want to, what do you want to learn? What do you want to understand about this, about this industry? He wanted to learn about wine, by the way. So we had like a little okay, transaction. Little trade. <laughs> but what he showed me, it wasn't like I didn't do, like a, I didn't do an apprenticeship, like a summer role apprenticeship or anything like that. But what he taught me is he taught me how the industry worked from like a, from fully from the workshop level all the way through. Taught me a lot about construction. Taught me a lot about retail. And it was like an incredible experience. I'm still very, very close with him. Um, and that really made me realize I could, you could have a career out of this, you know, there's something that you, just how you've been communicating this entire time. And it's not because we're on mic and it, you were also doing it earlier, but there is a very strong respect, um, for learning, which I, I, is not really a common thing. I think it's something where a lot of people go to school to, you know, like for me, I, was like in one of those like talented and gifted programs when I was younger, but I, I completely. What was your talent? Nothing. <laughs> oh, s- Self awareness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I didn't. I didn't really learn how to learn. Yeah. And I think also I went to school with other people who would just go through the motions of learning. And what one of the things that you're continuing to talk about is there's just this respect and openness. Uh, an approach to learning that you know, like okay, yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna spend some time with that. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna spend some time, you know, with this tailor. I'm gonna spend some time trying to figure out more about myself. And I think the reason why I wanted to call that out is because a lot of people now feel they want to get to 
this certain playing field and they're like, oh, well, I got to do these 10 things before I get there. How quickly can I do that until it happens? And I think, you know, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about how you guys also have this, your own internal apprenticeship program. But mm-hmm. I think the, the true respect that it feels that you're showing for the journey to learn, I think is something that definitely should not go unnoticed. Yeah. I mean, I think it never stops, right? Like you, I, that's what I love. You, you're always learning. And it's like, in our company, it's like that. But in my life, it's like that. Like you just constantly, I'm just keen to know new things and, and I'm fascinated by so many different things. Right. And right. I think also like being that kid who couldn't read for so long, when you, when you finally like sussed it out, you're like, cool. All right. This is powerful. Like let's, yeah. let, let's go at this. And we're lucky these days because we've got so many different ways to learn like podcasts, incredible yeah. way to learn. Um, but we, we, we're, we're surrounded by all this knowledge. And you can very quickly like ignore it all and get really specific. I'm, I'm a good generalist. Like I like, okay. I like knowing about lots and lots yeah. of different things. And I kind of think that's, that, that's, you know, that's the, one of the greatest things about this, this journey you're on. You just like get more information, learn more. It's exciting. Like I'm hungry for it, right? Yeah. And I know that I'm not like, this, you know, often, especially when I get around the dinner table at home, not the smartest guy in the room at home. You need to, you need to learn and understand yeah. you know, to, 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 to be able to relate to some of these people that inspire you, you know, so you've got good touch points. You can talk to things, that, things about, you know? Yeah. I mean, my, my grandpa would always tell me to just read the newspaper because he's like, if you read the newspaper, there's enough stuff in a variety and there's enough variety. Which, in the which newspaper? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This was, this is dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, uh, I'm, I'm a, I, I love the New York times, but there's all sorts of newspapers that I, we won't jump into that stuff. But he, uh, he was like, there's enough variety in a newspaper that if you read that, you'll be able to talk to almost anyone about anything that they like. You know, yeah, I think that's true. But I also, uh, yeah, I, I think that's right. And I think um, this is 1980, by yeah, the way. <laughs> yeah, true. But I also think, like, just in 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 my life and my job, you're dealing with so many people, and every yeah. I find, I don't know, I just find everyone fascinating. Like, there I, I just go. generally do. Like, and <laughs> I get laughed at quite a lot by my wife, especially like you're in a taxi and she's like, you're in like an hour long cab ride or something. And you're like, she's like, you spoke to that guy like flat out for an hour like what <laughs> i was like yeah but everyone's fascinating like he's just, there you go. He's, he's been here for 15 years he's come over from lebanon like he's he's from this he's from you know he's a maronite that's fascinating oh, like wow. you're finding out about that and then and you just i just find that fascinating i just find people fascinating which i'm you know which some some people are like mate don't talk to me <laughs> you're going too far but it's uh, it's nice that i get to do that in my job as well you know talk to people a lot but yeah um, i always have I just, as a kid, I just drilled people with questions and like, people are like, oh, come on, man. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, but yeah. Um, so you're in London, you're, you were with Robert Emmett. When does, when does Patrick Johnson, like the tailoring company start? Yeah. I mean, it really started, I met my wife in London um, and I really liked her and I'm a British, my, my father came over from the Channel Islands when he was, when he was young. So I've got a British British citizenship. Oh, um, there you go. Which was handy. So I could stay there as long as I want, right? But I met this, 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 uh, I was going to say woman. There you um, go. Yeah. Who, she's, she's not 15 years older than me, but um, <laughs> who I really liked. And, you know, I, and I remember ringing, she had to leave the country because her visa was expiring because she'd done her two, three years in London. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I was thinking, okay, cool. I really like this one. I really like her. And I rang my father and. I don't know what to do. Tam's going to have to leave. I don't want to leave. I love London. 
I can't do this job in Australia. You know, people people just wear board shorts down there. No, but literally, I thought that. Yeah. I come from like no, you know right. Adelaide, South Australia. Like even where I come from, like a property outside of Adelaide. So I was like in the middle of nowhere. Uh, to, to London and uh, dad's like, mate, don't be an idiot. Just come home and marry him, do all that stuff properly. And uh, I was like, that's a bit serious. We, but he was right. <laughs> so I, I, I uh, <laughs> Tam went home a bit before me and then I followed her home and that was out of necessity. Like maybe I would, I, I like really like working with Rob. I don't know, perhaps I would have worked with him for a lot longer, probably, but it wasn't like this drive for me to start my own business. Um, Interesting. For me, it was just this cool. I'm out in Australia. I want a challenge. Like what would be a good challenge? I've, I like, yeah, I did a lot of running of Rob's business for him, which was really fascinating, but doing it on my own would be really good too. And um, then I came back out and just started like hit the ground running on the first day and started measuring people for stuff. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I remember like the second day, I had a day off, but, um, <laughs> but you just, and you just start, and I started the business that way and just sort of in the beginning, just uh, seeing people sort of friends of friends or people that are sort of old Emmett customers who've moved back to Australia. There were quite a few of them, which I was very grateful for. Rob was an amazing support in that respect. And then just started that way. And it was just that kind of, I never thought I'm going to have this business and it's going to be like this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to redefine the way. No, come on. <laughs> I just literally <laughs> thought, yeah, let's, let's, let's do this and let's see where this goes, you know? The, well, I think, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but your approach to tailoring, um, you know, is very, I guess, and you've said yourself, like, it's very Australian. It's very um, relaxed. Uh, it's refined, but it's it's not stuffy. It's light. I mean, you you guys have said on multiple occasions on how light your canvas is. And I think, you know, when people talk about, oh, there's nothing really new in tailoring, what you guys were doing and what I think you still are doing is, to me, is very new. And, I mean, what... Did, yeah, I mean, did that start from day one as like our approach is going to be this or did that evolve? Uh, I think you, you, you have to look at the environment you're in. Like it's pretty hot in Australia, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And Australians are traveling a lot. And also the way I like wearing clothing in like an unconscious way. I like always say they should be like wearing pajamas so you can completely forget about them when you're wearing I didn't like that stuffy way. I didn't like, I didn't like that way like suits can wear people. I want the wearer to wear the clothing, you know? Right. And be natural in it. So that was always in the back of my mind. And as the journey continued, pushing more and more for that way of constructing things and that approach to dressing. I think the Australian side of it comes in more in an approach. Like Australian tailoring is not a thing, obviously, right? There aren't really like... It is now. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. But I, I but, think yeah. of it less about being Australian and more... Um, no, on the Australian thing, I think... I think it's a, like Australians sometimes we suffer thinking, okay, we're country bumpkins, you know, we're, you know, we're at the bottom of the world. I think it's a massive advantage. Like we're literally in this land. We're, we are at the bottom of the world. We are country bumpkins. But the great thing about that is you can see what everyone else in the world's doing mm. without any ego attached. You can take the best bits and reinterpret them in your own way and create something new rather than being held back by history where you're like, oh, this is an Italian way of doing it. Like if I was Italian, I, I often think I am in my dreams, but <laughs> if, I, if I was Italian, um, I'd probably be a little bit hamstrung by the history of what's been going on in Italian clothing and tailoring. And the same as if I was a Brit. Right. I'd be a bit held back by that because I do it in this way. But I'm Australian, like there's no rules. I can, and which is challenging because you're trying to create an aesthetic and something from scratch, but it's great because it, it, it really gives you this ability to free yourself up and it gives you this ability to go into different forms, not just tailoring, but other kinds of clothing with the same mentality where you're like, cool, let's see what everyone's doing. Okay, that's cool. Now let's do something really unique. Let's do something different. Let's take, you know, some inspiration, some best bits, but 
let's do something pure and just for us. And because there wasn't a scene in Australia, you're not lumped in with other people. So you can just do your thing. Right. You know, for better or worse. No, that's, that's, (laughs) yeah, yeah. that's really interesting. And I, I think you're right because a lot of, a lot of specifically within tailoring, it's, it's more about honoring a tradition and then, you know, what makes I have it- no tradition. <laughs> like, yeah, no, but go. like, seriously, like I get, and some people criticize a bit for that. Sometimes, oh, you know, this or that. And you're like, mate, I'm just about getting the best clothing on the backs of my clients, like yeah. best value and just make these things great. They just got to look cool and be really good. Yeah. Like that, that's what I'm about. Like I, I'm, I'm not bespoke. I'm not Savile Row. I'm not trying to be this or that Italian. I'm not that. I get that. Right. I, I understand. I'm really comfortable not being that. That's cool. I respect that so much. I respect what other people do. I think it's great. But I love purity. I like being really clear to yourself, like really honest with yourself and doing something that's unique to you. And I detest copying, you know, just for the sake of it. Yeah. I don't mind getting inspiration from someone, but that kind of thing's not, not, not really my vibe. So I think that that's a power of being from Australia. Yeah, yeah. You have, it's a huge power. Yeah. And I think when, when I first interacted with you guys and like learned about you, there was this like kind of cool guy quirkiness and i i really hate the term quirkiness and i'm i'm going to apologize for using it because <laughs> it's i could be a little bit more versed in in the diction that i use to 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 use a better word but it was just it was fun and i think you know and we were talking about this already but you know i remember you guys had a tie this is 2011 and it had it was like a polka dot tie right but I think you guys did the best mix of having pattern and, you know, but like not having anything be too loud. And it's funny because, you know, when we were, we were talking a little bit about like the hashtag menswear movement before we were recording and like you guys embodied that in a perfect way. But what's, what's great. I mean, this is those looks still are good now. Oh, that's, uh, that's really kind. You said that. And I love that tie. I remember that tie. It's a fantastic tie. I own that tie. Yeah. Oh, great. That was my first like PJT, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's funny because a lot of other looks from that time, um, maybe by at least looks that I was wearing from other designers and stuff. I'm not going to wear that anymore. Yeah. But I I think, (laughs) I think with, with design and with good design, whether it's an interior or whether it's clothing or whether it's, just interior, whether it's anything involved in design, it sure. should never really look like it's from a time. It should kind of be as comfortable now uh, as it will be in 10, 15 years. That's the goal. You don't always achieve it. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's what you have to, you know, a timelessness in that way that's not, but also not boring because boring's the worst. I mean, could you imagine anything worse than being described as boring? <laughs> you literally, I could, I'd, I'd take some worse <laughs> things than boring because boring would just, yeah, wow, game over. But um, I think I, I think that 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 way of designing, if you're just thinking it, it shouldn't like look like it's designed. It should look like it just belongs and it's just comfortable, you know, in right. that in that in, in in what it is, and then it should be fine in the wardrobe forever. And that, 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 if you can do that, that's the that's the dream. Yeah, it feels like you guys are also in a sweet spot right now because I know other clothing companies that have built themselves on tailoring, but the tailoring is very stiff. And, and I feel now, at least in the United States, from my perspective, people that are wearing tailoring and sport coats, they don't have to wear it. Very, very few people have to wear tailoring in the United States that like don't work in finance. And so like, I, you know, maybe it's one of the reasons why you guys are doing so good in LA too, is like, you have this very casual vibe 
that you know fits. I mean, we were talking about one of my good friends who's like, yeah, I'm not really into clothes, but I really love Patrick Johnson. And it's like, why is it that he doesn't think the Patrick Johnson brand is a clothing brand? Yeah, I, I think that's that's really nice too. I mean, I think I think it's not just the construction. Like we focus a lot on the construction, right? Like I love sure. soft lightweight tailoring because it's kind of the heartland of what we do. Um, and I obsess about it, like, cause I'm a geek, like about that stuff. I'm definitely geeky about it. And, um, I want clothing to be comfortable. I want people to forget about it, but I like that. And I think the stiffer stuff to me just doesn't make sense it's, cause it's not the way I live my life. I live on the coast. I'm moving around. I'm traveling a lot. If I'm in big cities, even if it's like in middle winter, like, cool, I'll just get a heavier cloth, but I'll still get it lightly constructed, you know? Right. So really, really soft stuff that I can put in my bag and fold up and then I can wear that casually. And it's, it's got diversity i hate waste i I just can't stand waste like i I don't like the idea of making an outfit for someone then it hangs in their wardrobe and they don't wear it i want them to wear it to death and love it and then incorporate their wardrobe and it become you know a part of them and then they can maybe get something else when that dies so i think that the soft construction plays into that really really well because Mm -hmm. it gives this versatility on the flip side it's annoying because it's really annoying to construct. <laughs> it's really annoying to do a completely unstructured, truly unstructured sure. jacket for someone. And you're doing it, whatever you want to call it, made to measure some measure. It's really annoying because you have nothing to hide behind. <laughs> you literally are like every single fault you see. You oh, have yeah. to be on your game. But that's a good challenge, right? Yeah. And we, we go into that challenge with our clients like, cool, let's, let's do this. This is <laughs> going to be great, right? So I think the power is that the power isn't like when people see it on a person and they go, wow, because the structured stuff's often easier to make it look, you know, in like a campaign or something. Yeah. The power's when someone wears it and they go like, oh, okay, cool. I feel really comfortable. This is great. And guys who, you know, like we're really lucky to make, make clothing for some people who otherwise maybe wouldn't really get a suit made. They come in for a wedding or a special there event. There you go. Like a guy who, you know, is a, he's a tradie, you know, straight, I don't know, tradie translates like he works like on, build, on building sites. Oh, no, oh. Tradie is like, you know. A construction. Yeah. Yeah. Construction guy, right? Okay. And he's like, well, and you, and you get him in this suit and he's a bit intimidated because like he wears like, you know, construction work clothing. And then yeah. he like finally like puts it on. He's like, I feel really comfortable. This is great. I feel good in myself. You're like, yeah, yeah. See, like you can look good in this stuff. It's not, this isn't just for someone in a different lifestyle. This stuff can work really well for you. So that's really nice and really powerful. So the lightweight structure does that too. But it's more about the casual approach rather than that. It's not just, yeah. you know, you can get people that do the same construction as you or try but it's about that approach to dressing. It's like that, what you were saying before about a bit of humor, it's having a bit of nonchalance, a bit of levity to what you do to make it, come on guys, like this isn't the most important thing in your life. Like, <laughs> Wait, are make, you sure? Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I hate to break right. everyone. This isn't even in the top five for me. Like, you know, I've got, I've got other things, you know, sure. but let's, let's, let's make this a really, a really enjoyable part of your life. Let's, yeah. let's, we can add value here and then we can get on with all those other fun things, you know? And I think making that pretty clear to people is really good. It's not that we don't care about this, but, no, we're, of course. but we're just realistic about you know, <laughs> life. I carry a lot of things with me in my day-to-day life. Headphones, a notebook, my laptop, the usual stuff. All of it's stuffed inside my tumble-weathered tote from Frank Clegg Leatherworks. A family-owned business, Frank Clegg has been handcrafting leather briefcases, travel luggage, totes, and accessories for over 45 years. Frank Clegg Weatherworks uses custom vegetable tan leathers, solid brass hardware, and time-tested techniques to provide an exceptional product of heirloom quality and timeless design. Look, they'll even work with you on the design. I don't know anyone who can do it like the Clegg family. Best of all, it's made right here in the USA. 
I've owned my leather tote for years and it's broken in beautifully. It's a perfect mix of ruggedness and elegance that I can carry when I'm wearing a suit or when I'm just wearing jeans and a t-shirt. Right now, Frank Clegg is offering Blamo listeners 10% off their first purchase. Go to frankclegleatherworks.com and use promo code Blamo at checkout. These guys don't go on sale here. They're not doing this for anyone else. So take advantage and upgrade your bag or weather accessory today. That's frankclegweatherworks.com. Frank, C-L-E-G-G, weatherworks.com. And use promo code BLAMO at checkout for 10% off your first order. Um, one of the things we were talking a little bit about is you had mentioned uh, a new a new staff person that had come on and you said that they were an apprentice. Yeah. And one of the things that you guys are doing is you kind of have your own sort of, you know, Patrick Johnson, Taylor University. Well, how was that something you wanted to do from the get go? Like, how did that start? No, I mean, and, and what is the the apprenticeship it, look like? It's essentially just out of necessity. I mean, it's we're getting you're getting we've got a motley crew who work for us. Like they're from completely different backgrounds. Like all of them are from like way different backgrounds. A lot of them had careers or two careers before, or mm-hmm. coming fresh out of school. Some of them, you know, seventeen, seventeen years old, eighteen years old. Um, so we needed a way in Australia, as I said. There's no, there's no, there's no history of tailoring, and even beyond that, like in retail. There was, there's no, there's no sort of other business retailing in the way I like to retail. I don't think anywhere in the world in the way that I like to do it. So I want to train people from scratch in this. So train them not only in, in construction and technical fit way of doing things. We do it in a very specific way that's, mm-hmm. we've developed ourselves, which is, which, which, which works for this lightweight style of tailoring, but train them in that, but also train them in, um, how to serve the clients. How to, how to talk to people, how to well, think what, about clothing. What, is, what, is one of the, what does that look like in, in terms of how to, how to talk to people? Because I, I, yeah, I, I to help I, phrase this for you, yeah. sorry, is I think different countries have different ways in, in how they sell, and, and it doesn't always translate. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's, that's, that, that's true. You know, but I think one thing that's, that is unified amongst all of them is you have to be a good empathetic listener. You need empathy because you're, you come to me and I'm making you something. I'm not wearing it. Like, <laughs> you know, I've got to think about you. I've got to put myself in your shoes. And, you know, and I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that the first thing that they need is empathy. That's very well, refreshing. You do. Like, and and yeah, that's what we look for when we're, when we're interviewing people. And, um, and we go through a pretty rigorous interview process with our, with our, with our teams because you, you want to make sure it's right. For them. You don't want to waste their time, right? Like right. putting them through this thing and then they get to the end, they're like, it's not what I wanted. You're like, oh, I'm really sorry. Uh, God. Uh, or also, I don't want them to waste too much of our time because we put a lot of energy into them. But empathy is probably the m- most important thing. And I, I also want to work with people who are empathetic, you yeah, know, as well. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and, then, and then passion. So you, if you have empathy, passion, um, a level of work ethic, we can, we, can, we, can get that, we can get that up a little bit with a bit of training. But they have to be, they have to be um, you know, good self-starters. Um, so you don't really look for people. The reason why I ask is I have a lot of listeners who will reach out to me and they're like, well, where do I start or how do I, you know, and this sucks. Like everyone is already in an industry and they, they knew all this beforehand. It's a closed club. No, and it's not. Exactly. No, nothing's a closed club. Come I on. thank God that you like, said that. Cause it, I, I try to tell people that too. Yeah. It, it's not, I mean, it's, we get, what can I say? I mean, we're looking, we just, yeah, we just. We're always looking for good people. Send in your, uh, your, your, your CVs. Yeah, no, beware. But, but we're, but we're always looking for good people, but that, that's really what we're looking And then when, they, when they, people come work for us, how it works is inside the first six months, mm-hmm. you're just essentially taking notes for a more senior tailor. 
you're learning all our backend systems, all our logistics systems, and you're essentially just you're you're sort of uh, buddied with a senior tailor. Okay. Uh, in between that, we give you a lot of material, study material. So, n- but nothing on fit in the first six months. You don't touch anything to do with how to fit somebody. Um, you're really? Just, yeah, you're just learning about cloth. You're learning about construction. You're learning about um, like this is going to sound really geeky. Take but- your time. It's okay. We, we kind of, we struggled with the tailoring, with, with, with the training manual a little bit. Like how should we approach this? What's the best way we can, we can train these people? Because people come with a lot of different skill sets to us. Some are studious, some more often they're not studious. Um, so we looked at the way doctors do it and how you, how you teach bedside manner. And that was the approach we came from. So you're really butting up with a more senior doctor and then you have all your, all your, all your sort of material you're learning in the background. I'm not saying what, what we're doing is a medical degree, but what I am saying is saying that was our approach, right? So you're learning from someone and you, you're underneath someone. So you do that for the first six months. Um, you get tested reasonably regularly, but it's pretty casual in the first six months. It's not like full-on tests. And we, and we take people on with the understanding that, um, that they'll probably take about six months to work out if, if this is for them. Wow. Um, um, and we'll probably take about six months to work out if they're, for, if, if, if they're for the business as well. We try and always offer someone a career, not just a job, um, which, um, which is quite important to me. Um, but that's the first six months. And so by the end of the six months, you're really comfortable talking to people, which a lot of people who come to us aren't. Um, we teach, you know, look people in the eye and listen. To people just listen. You know these these tricks. I mean, I read these I read these articles sometimes on how to be a good listener, and they do you know remember someone's name and like, just fucking listen. <laughs> just listen to what people are saying and actually let them speak to you and listen and compute it. It's um, hard to do that these days when people. I'm I'm not defending anyone, but yeah. I think so many people are so used to looking down, uh, and and being it's a very good point. Yeah, and losing and giving all their attention to. 50 different things, but only giving, mm. you know, 5% or 2% of their attention. Yeah, it is, it, it is a challenge and, and you can, elim- a good thing about a workplace, you can eliminate that stuff. Right? Yeah, so you exactly. Say, get, get rid of your phones and get rid of this. And, <laughs> Please God. <laughs> um, and, but sort of teaching them, listen, and teaching them, teaching them about conversation and just what, what is good conversation, what's not good conversation. Like, you know, talking about yourself. Yeah. To a client is not good conversation. If you do that for an hour, yeah. it's kind of listening and, and, and opening up. So you, 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 learn, you learn that skill and you learn all about the different cloths, the different weavers we work with, the different construction techniques, not just across our tailoring products, but across our knitwear, our shirting, um, um, which I just finished a little bit of that on the plane. But uh, So you learn all that stuff in the first six months. And you, after that, you're pretty comfortable. You're thinking, yeah, I quite like to keep on working with these guys for a little while or no, maybe this isn't for me, you know, kind of thing. And we have those, you know, chats every month and then at three months, the big one, then six months. So once you get to the six month mark and if it's all kosher, we're all feeling good. Um, then you go into this next part of your training, which is fit training. So learning actually how to fit someone for, 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 for a garment. And that's a different way of thinking, a different way of learning, because that is, um, it's a little bit more structured, a little bit more rigid, and you, you have to hit certain modules and certain units and, and a certain number of time you have to do in fit training with, with, a garment, uh, with, a, with, a, with a garment type and then with certain clients. And you get assessed not only by the senior tailors, but then Tom, who's my business partner, he comes and assesses people. And you'll do in Australia a week living at the showroom in Melbourne and doing an intense thing. You do that twice. So we, we do that pretty rigidly. Um, and yeah, and then that, that process takes like another sort of 
couple of months, but then you're not really ready to fit probably until about a year and a bit in because you're still <laughs> with someone. But it, the whole idea isn't to restrict people in this learning. It's about building the knowledge up in a nice manageable way. So people aren't going to feel too intimidated by it too. Like the people learning aren't going to be like, oh my God, I don't know anything. This is ridiculous. These people know so much. This is a closed book. No, it's, it's just layering on the information steadily. And so people get really comfortable. Okay. And I feel good. And now I'll go to the next level. Okay. And now I'll go to the next level. So some people go a little bit faster. Some people go a little bit slower. Um, but that, that, that's the idea. And then you get to that point about a year when you go, we use the tailoring terms, but you know, it, it just say you go to be a fitting, a fitting tailor uh, where you can actually fit stuff, and and then there's a ne- and then there's another another kind of part of your ta- training, and the ta- the training's never stopping. It never should stop. You're always learning something more and something more and something more, and and then as you, as you get more senior, different members of the team will go off in different directions. They'll focus on. Um, the, Dan, for instance, in New York, like one of our guys there, he's a really good visual merchandiser, like just naturally a good visual merchandiser. And um, I imagine when you met and hired that person, you no were idea. like, oh, I need you to be a visual merchandiser. Oh, no, 100% no idea. I didn't even know until maybe like six months in. Can and I? Then, and it's like, do you want to, you know, you go down, there's a mannequin. Do you want to see how you can make that look? He'll go, yeah. And he'll put love and attention. You go, okay, this guy's got a passion for this. He loves this. So can I just call that out? Like that's, no one does that. It, it's. Uh, well, maybe they do, but they do it with medical degrees. Yeah, and maybe they do, but they do that when you're learning how to manage a hedge fund. But like from the retail business and the clothing business, I've, you know, I'm sure if I'm wrong, someone will tweet at me or tell me, and you know, but like that is not the approach to a lot of people's business. And, yeah, and, and maybe that doesn't, Maybe that doesn't suit everyone's business. You know, like, I, I don't know. We, we just do it that way because I kind of understand that we have all these people involved in this business and we all have very different skills, di- different strengths but that's- and weaknesses. And I, I get that. I don't want little clones of me. God help us. Like, I, I, we really don't want that. Uh, we, want, we want different types because our clients are different types of people. <laughs> like, you know, like the guy who's going who's gonna to link up to – you know, one of our guys, you know, in, um, who works for us in Sydney, he's going to be, he, he's, he's going to walk in the door and really make a connection with a certain kind of person in our business. And then the next guy might come in and he's, he should link up with a different guy because he's a different personality. And that guy's coming at it from a way that he can, he can communicate with him a little bit better and they, they suit each other. So, you know, you're not just butting off like your, your, your junior guys with the senior guys and you're butting off um, tailors with, uh, with clients too. But that's, I mean, and the, the reason why I'm like, while you were talking, my jaw was just wide open is because people don't do that. And I think, you know, and uh, I, I told you a little bit about my wife and some of the stuff that she does. And a lot of the things that she works with is, is onboarding, right, for jobs. And a good or bad onboarding can affect the entire person's career and tenure at, at a company. I mean, obviously, right? But people do not put that much resourcing or um or time into onboarding and i think how you you said that i mean not only is it really really refreshing but it also it goes to show how much you guys care and i think also you know you're 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 like formalizing the whole air quote of like ralph lauren institution when people go there but you 
it sounds like you're making this a much better environment. And in some ways, maybe similar to how you were learning yourself is like, yeah, you're constantly I, think so. I mean, learning. you're trying to make it as good as you can. I mean, I'm, you know, we've, we've, I don't know, maybe some ex employees, it hasn't been that experience for them. Well, everyone's we, different. That's yeah, okay. everyone's different. And we always try and make it as great as we can. And we're learning, you know, like when I started this, I had no idea. Yeah, like, I mean, obviously I, I that wasn't I didn't know in your what I was roadmap. doing. So you're learning and you're just trying to get better at this the whole time. But I mean, there's some there's some pretty good things you can fall back on. Like I don't want us, I don't want clones. I, in my company, it's 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 a meritocracy. It's not very hierarchical at all. Like it's pretty people are independent operators throughout the business. And yeah, they get my job is to give them the support they need to do their job really well. And <laughs> no, no CEO does no, that. No, but that, but <laughs> oh, I try and I mean, a few of them that might listen to this might think that I fail quite often, but you really, that's my job. I'm trying to get, put the systems in place and give them the support they need to do their job. They're smart people, you know, and they're, and they're passionate. And I said, and they have empathy and all these good things. So why am I going to sit there and do this and do that and do this and do that? No way. They know their jobs. Like after the first year of training, they know what they're meant to do. Um, and then it's just about making sure that you, you're moving in the right direction with certain employees and, and understanding to people saying, guys, like some of my guys, you know, if they've been with me for a while and they're like, oh, they want to go off and do something else. It's like, great. It's great. Like, I think that's the next step in your journey. Like you want to go off and study or you want to do this. That's, that's really good. Like, Anything we can do, let us know because, like, these people are a big part of your life, right? Yeah, they're a huge part. I work with these guys so closely; I love them. Like, it sounds slightly crude, but I really do. Well, like, it's a family, well, yeah. But it really is a family, and we're, we're we're not a big business; we're quite small. So, um, and 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 that's really powerful. Mm-hmm. So to have that, and I hope you know, I don't know if our business is going to grow. We'll see what happens. But if it grows a bit more, I hope we can really maintain that and you can't create that from a big business back down you have to start like that and i started by myself 500 bucks driving from sydney to melbourne to adelaide because i couldn't afford the the flight that's a long drive that's like four thousand k's every month going to see anyone that would see me and then my first employee he was tom my best friend who i'd studied with he's my best mate like and we're in this together and then the next person that coming on that was like a friend who just came on and and we're just looking for people and they were coming on to our business because they're really passionate about what we're doing so i'm like great like and it just started like that um and then we sort of evolved from there and we've been able to grow this amazing team in new york and we've had struggles like we've had time where it hasn't worked out with employees and it's been hard and we're on different paths but we've, we've got, built this great team in new york and that's a testament it's not a testament to me at all i had hardly anything to do with it yeah i set it up and i don't know it's a testament to the people working there and then in London, we've got a really great team and they're great. So if so you wait, could, how many operations do you have? You, you have London, you have New York, So you have yeah, we've Sydney. got London, New York, Sydney, Melbourne. We've got a couple in Melbourne, a couple in Sydney. And then we have in Massacarara, where there's sort of 68 people in Massacarara in the, in the workshop in Satoria Carrara. Um, that's in Italy. That's in just, Italy. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. I, no, it's yeah, all right. Uh, that's, it's sort of the closest big town's Pisa. So that's, that's about four years old. We've been working with them before that, but since we came in and um, changed the business. Um, so yeah, we've got, we've got a few, but it's, if, if you can, if you can create a culture where people are acting, they're good operators and they're acting independently and they can, that, that's how you get creative thought being at its best. Right. Yeah. Now I remember early on in my business and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm let's say this and I was going to say this in a flattering way. I don't mean to flatter myself, but I've got a lot of energy. Like, right. And, and I can be a pretty full on force and in, in, in things. Cause I've got a particular way. I like things for sure. Okay. okay. 
But understanding I had my first few apprentices outside of, Tom was an apprentice, but in, in Sydney by myself and realizing I was working stupid hours and like literally had a problem with leaving the showroom. You did? Yeah, I got like anxious leaving the showroom, walking around the block. I was like, well, well, I, should be, I should be back there. What am I doing? I need to be there. Oh, my man. wife was very understanding in this period, but I talked to her about it now. She's like, yeah, you're kind of nuts, man. Like, you're working <laughs> like, it was kind of insane, but that was my mode, right? I come from a, my father's an immigrant. He came over dirt poor on a fucking boat. Like yeah. literally like that was drilled into me from a young age. Work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard the whole time. Like, you know, and that was my mode. That's my safety mode. Working hard for me is easy safety mode. The bigger challenge was then going, I'm here the whole time. I've got these, these guys working for me. And I'm micromanaging them. Mm. And I do not want to be that guy because I'm not getting the best out of them. So being a micromanager is the easiest thing in the world. Like, it's super simple. It's really easy, right? <laughs> it's like, you just hit- Did you do this? Did you do this? Did yeah. You do yeah that? It's, and it's really annoying for everyone involved. So yes, I was like, I need to change this dramatically the yeah. way this is operating because I want my staff. My number one goal in our business beyond what we do in clothing and everything is to have a happy and effective staff. That, that's the number one goal. Mm-hmm. they're my business okay the clients are your business you yeah, want them to be happy but first it's the staff so i was like this is not going you know you know this is i can see where this is going to end up yeah, and listen it might be like a financial success in some ways because it's it's, it's an eat it's a not an eat it's a it's a way it's a mode right but i need to stop this this needs to stop so i put things in place and went and went off to india and found myself and all that stuff quite quickly because i wanted to get back to work but um <laughs> got deep into a few things and found a few tools which which enabled me to step back and go okay and then the the, the boys at work still talk about pre-india and post-india patrick <laughs> pre that was like six years ago but they still talk about it like how i was so like full-on wait and, did you have like an intervention did someone no like no, no, no not at all but maybe they should have been no it was it didn't get to that level but it just got to the level i knew in myself like this is this is not a productive way to build a company. This isn't good. I don't want this. Like everyone you read about in business that builds companies, that's how they build them. They work their ass off and they- And it's how they burn out. But I'm like, I don't want that. Like, as I said, this isn't the most important thing in my life. I want to be, you know, there for my family and all that stuff, but I want to have fun. I want to enjoy things. Um, And I have, I've had some good people around me sort of, come on, mate, like, this is, this is getting a bit crazy kind of thing. So, but you feel it in your body, you trust your body and you're like, I'm not feeling- I'm not feeling uh, right right now. My energy is weird and my nervous system shattered into a thousand pieces and I'm having 15 espressos a day. What's going on? So you, you know when to make the change, right? You, you, you feel it and then it ends up obviously always being your wife that gives you the push or your yeah. sister or something like that. So no, that, that, that was quite timely and to get, I don't know how I got into that, but to get some tools to, to really, to be the best version of yourself. Cause I felt like I wasn't being the best version of myself. If that makes sense. I'm getting deep. If that makes sense. So I went off and I got into meditation, which was really good. And I was so skeptical for so long. I was like, man, I grew up on a farm. I'm not going to meditate. It's, I found that as a selfish thing. I'm not going to take 20 minutes sitting down for myself. That's insane. But that's been a really good tool. And most of the people in the business meditate and they've got it offered to them if they want to learn it. Um, and that was a good tool and changed some other things. And that enabled me to open it up and, create teams outside of myself that were productive and 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 um and a hell of a lot happier i think so it sounds to me that you you felt more in control by god this sounds tacky by letting go of things like i mean i don't know how to word this in a way that is is that merits the accomplishment i'll say it that way but it, it sounds to me that you were really able to maybe grow your business in a way that felt better by you being less hands-on yeah i think i think i mean there is 
in the true sense, no such thing as control. It's just a perce- perception in your mind. You think you're in control, but there's heavy. No, but there isn't. No, that's like, you good, know, man. I mean, heavy, yeah. <laughs> Who am I? No, that, no, God. that's good. That's good. <laughs> Help me. No, um, no, but I think I think it's more that uh, that idea that um, you got to go with the flow a little bit. Like just just relax, let go. It's just just flow with it, enjoy it. Like another you know cheesy saying, but it's a great it's a great fun thing that I get to do. And I want to enjoy it. I don't want to, because where's the end goal for me? Like what, you want to sell your business for a lot of money or like get a couple of trophies that you can feel proud of in your old age, but what you've, you've been working 14 hours a day, six days a week, seven days a week. Like that's not a life, well, you know? What is the end goal? Because that obviously just, is a horrible end goal. Yeah, what you're saying. yeah, the end goal, I suppose, I don't think about an end goal, but I just think about every day just, just getting better. Like, mm. I just want to be better at what I do. I want to be a better boss. I want to be better designer uh i want to be you know better in my personal life and you just think about just improving every day and just like and that's fun like rocking up and just trying to be a bit better than the day before mm-hmm. and that and that's and that's we try and instill that into people that work for us as well like just that's all you have to do like some of us start with huge head starts in life like massive head starts be it from your family or be it just with the skills that you were just you you know won the genetic lottery and you were just given these amazing <laughs> skills. Some of us start, but yeah, you know, if you're not trying to get better every day, then these things are just wasted. You know, I think you should try and get better. That's really beautiful. Yeah, I mean that. Okay, <laughs> I'm serious because I I I think you know it's funny. I I very much have enjoyed our conversation so far, but what I think has also been really beautiful about this conversation is we really haven't kind of like gone too deep on clothes or the design it's been more about the philosophy of how you think about clothes and the design and i think that that's that is what is the most refreshing and and most exciting about this is because it goes to show that it's it's not in the color of you know a trouser or the fit of a trouser it's more in the thought process that goes into the people that are helping make it, create it, sell it, and communicate that. Yeah, you have to, the environment has to be right, like yeah. you know, to 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 get the good results. But um, that's no, awesome. It's, it's 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 good, and I think like that, that that's the thing in. Uh, I hate to use the word pr- pride or anything like that because I think that can be a little bit. You know how many words bad, that we've both said that we've yeah. been like, I can't use that word. Well, because, that stinks. Society yeah, sucks. Well, we suck. <laughs> <laughs> I think we suck. Yeah, but that, 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 that's something that I'm. Um, I get a lot of satisfaction in. Yeah. Uh, in in improving like the the team and the culture at work and making people. It's not about making people happy because that's a result, but helping people push themselves to be. To challenge, to challenge themselves to get better the whole time. And I don't mean that in a drill sergeant kind of way, like you're going to, no, but just providing the environment. So mm-hmm. if they want to challenge themselves and get better, you can. And I'm not, I'm, my staff can probably attest to this. I'll tell them when they've done something wrong and I'll make Good. it pretty clear. Um, and give them what important. I think the option is, but I'm very open, you know, and mm-hmm. our business is, um, it's a really transparent place to work. Like everyone gets their say in everything and people criticize me a lot at work. It's really an open, I get very criticized, which I love. I absolutely love. I hate getting any form of praise because I can't learn from that. Like that's just, yeah, whatever. Cool, 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 cool. What can, what, 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 what can we do better? Like even when I present the collection to the teams, like, I love it. You're like, cool, cool, cool. What didn't you like though? Oh. Why, why, why didn't you like it? Oh, well, no, whatever. tell me, tell me, tell me. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Like that's good. Yeah, but what, 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 what didn't, what, what didn't, what what don't you think your clients are gonna like? What didn't affect you in the right way? Didn't you, what didn't you like the feel of? Like, and that and that's um, 
I suppose that that that's that's to me my process of getting better. For yeah, better, for better or worse, just like going around. But that that's something that um yeah, that's, that's a constant thing, you know. And I'm competitive too. Well, I can tell. I'm very competitive, but I'm you know competitive in myself first, and then with everyone else in the world. <laughs> um, I try not to. I fight like you, you fight that instinct because you, it's it's a bit of a waste of time. But that's awesome. Well, Patrick, I can't thank you enough for coming on. This has been really, oh, really, no, really, really, I really good. enjoy it. Um, before we wrap up, is there any other stuff you'd like to add or mention or discuss? I just think if, so, I mean, I don't know the purpose of it, but if someone wants to get into this industry or whatever industry, the creative industry there, mm-hmm. just, just, just do it. Just make a start, even in a small way. Don't worry too much. I think it's a hard thing these days. You've got social media telling you that everyone's life's amazing, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. This person's like, and you just like, just, just chill. Don't worry about that. Like have, I, I was watching, um. Uh, this uh, t- this like was it like a documentary and it was Jimmy sure. Irvine you know he was talking about him and Dr Dre oh yeah yeah their businesses and I loved it how he's like he's a pretty intense character fascinating guy right he's talking about like thinking about other people like if he's competitive he's like I'm a racehorse I wear blinkers oh, if I don't have the blinkers on I look at the horse next to me and I fall over I just think about my own track and that's actually a nice way to put it because you should just think about what you're doing. None of us are the same. Don't worry about what other people are doing. Don't worry that this guy's going on a holiday and this. I tell you, he's posting that and he's feeling miserable, probably. <laughs> you yeah, you're probably so right. So just, yeah, just yeah. don't worry about that. Just start and, and ask people for help. People love giving help. I love helping people. People, you know, you know that, right? Like yeah. how many people you come come to you like just ask people for help. Don't be intimidated. The worst you can get is a no. Yep. Like it's great. I've asked so many people for help in my life and my career so far, and I'll continue to. And yeah, sometimes they say no, and it's a bit like, okay. But I remember <laughs> people like, like Paul Smith. I always loved Paul Smith and really wanted to meet him and have a chat to him. I was like, you know what? I'll just, I'll just contact the guy, you know, contact him. He's like, yeah, sure. I spent like an hour and a half with him in his office. Really? Chatting to him. And he's a really lovely, fascinating, as you can imagine. I mean, he's a fascinating, interested interesting guy yeah and i was like i'm so glad i sent that email like i'm so glad I so you did. just cold emailed well i didn't actually because i thought that i wouldn't even get through and so i got like i got onto his person that does his public relations basically because public relations people are always pretty easy to get onto yeah and um <laughs> i got through i got through that way but he was really sweet with his time and he's like i said thank you so much and he's like no no, no like i enjoy doing this I, he's like i that's you, awesome i enjoy speaking to people so i don't know just don't overcomplicate it too much just start and just be easy with it and let it go, let it flow. And if it's working, something's working well, like just continue. And if it's not, try something else. Oh man. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean that. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. It was good talking to you. No, appreciate it. All right, later. You've been listening to Blamo. Our theme music is by Tan Lines. If you like this episode, there's tons more to listen to at blamopod.com. Listen to Blamo on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're at it, tell a friend and leave a review. It helps let others discover the show. Follow us on Instagram at Blamo Podcast or send us an email at info at blamopod.com. Still want to connect? Join our newly launched Slack group and chat with other friends of the pod. Thanks again for listening. See you all next week.